Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... I got the charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? Uh-oh, hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Through 25 seasons, 4,561 episodes, I believe The Oprah Winfrey Show was one of the greatest classrooms in the world. I really never thought of it that way. The aha moments, the breakthroughs, the connections, the occasional ugly cry. I miss him so terribly. I miss him every single minute. The LOLs, the moments that mattered. Eye-opening life lessons. Never allow them to take you somewhere else. I'm bringing them back. It's time to open the vault. I've personally chosen these classic episodes to share with you again. Every single person you ever will meet shares that common desire. They want to know, do you see me? Do you hear me? Does what I say mean anything to you? You are listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, the podcast. Ready, A. Ready, music. Scott Peterson's own sister believed he was innocent. Now she says he is a cold-blooded killer. I actually never saw him looking for Lacey. Scott's bizarre behavior. When he saw your babysitter, he was smiling and flirting. Her recent trip to prison to see him. What he said about Amber, the untold story. You confronted Scott. Details you haven't heard. Why do you think he killed her? Next. The title alone is chilling. 33 reasons why my brother Scott Peterson is guilty. Scott Peterson's sister Anne is breaking ranks with her own family and has decided to go public. Today, she's revealing why, after supporting her brother 100%, she is now convinced that he murdered his wife, Lacey, and their unborn son in cold blood. The world was first introduced to Lacey Peterson in breaking headline news. Police and volunteers spent the day searching this Modesto park. All looking for 27-year-old Lacey Peterson. Lacey, eight months pregnant, was missing, and her husband, Scott, said he had no knowledge of her whereabouts. In the beginning, both Lacey's family and Scott's family united, begging for Lacey's return. I know that someone knows where Lacey is, and I'm pleading with you, please, please, let her come home to us. I miss listening to her talk about her future with her husband and her baby. But then came the lies and inconsistencies in Scott's story and the explosive revelation of a secret affair with Amber Fry. I met Scott Peterson November 20th, 2002. Scott told me he was not married. Public opinion was shifting, and the speculation that Scott was involved in his wife's disappearance intensified. 
After a month, Lacey's family's support for Scott crumbled. Her brother, Brent, was the first to lash out. Scott has not been forthcoming with information regarding my sister's disappearance, and I'm only left to question what else he may be hiding. They became two families deeply divided as the Petersons remained loyal to Scott, insisting he was innocent. Scott is looking for Lacey. That is his whole purpose, and he's continued to do that since day one. His half-sister, Ann Bird, stood firm in her support. I absolutely love and adore Scott, and he's just wonderful, wonderful person. Bottom line, you support your brother 100%. 100%. Absolutely. Well, Ann Bird is the biological daughter of Jackie, who is Scott's mother, who gave Ann up for adoption at birth. It wasn't until 1997 that Ann decided to meet her birth mother. When I met Jackie and Lee and all the kids and all the relatives, I just thought, gosh, I am so lucky. These people are so wonderful. They're so nice, down to earth. The blended family quickly forged close ties. Anne was particularly enamored with her newly found half-brother, Scott. The first time I met Scott, I just thought he was wonderful. You know, he's extremely courteous, very polite. And she adored his fiancée, Lacey. I thought she was great. Bubbly, funny, warm, kind. She was one of the few rare people that you run into that you cannot wait to see again. When Lacey disappeared, Anne offered Scott a safe haven in an upstairs bedroom in her home, far away from the media blitz. So Anne Bird is coming forward with new details about Scott and Lacey's marriage, about the Peterson family, and Scott's bizarre and disturbing behavior both before and after this hideous crime. Her book is called Blood Brother, 33 Reasons Why My Brother Scott is Guilty. Why a book? All of these things had been adding up. Mm -hmm. And it, I got to kind of this, uh, like a moral plateau, you know, of do, do I ever say anything? Do I just keep everything to myself? Mm -hmm. And it, it's too hard for me to just keep everything in and have mm -hmm. everyone think that I think he's innocent. Does the Peterson family now consider you a traitor? A few mm -hmm. of them do. Mm -hmm. A few of them are actually backing me. What has your mother, Jackie, said about this? She said that she was extremely disappointed. Mm -hmm. So will you have a relationship with her after this? You know, I'm not going to close a door not to gonna her. not going to close a door? Right. Mm -hmm. And this has been a relationship that you've only had for the past eight years, right. correct? Yes. Right. Because yeah. you were given up for adoption, yeah. living happily with your own family, yeah. mm -hmm. love your adoptive family. Yes. Thought that was a perfect life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you've never talked about this before, but I hear that you and Scott have communicated about the book. You have? Yes. In yes. what way? Uh, I received a letter from him after the press release of the book went out. Mm -hmm. And he said, I hear that you are represented by Gloria Allred. Mm -hmm. And I said, yes. Oh, I didn't respond back, but uh, yes, that's true. And uh, I hear you have a book that mm -hmm. is coming out. What is it about? Could you please write me back? He had heard it from different sources. Mm -hmm. He read an article in the newspaper. And so did you respond? No. No, you did not. So tell me this. When is the last time you saw him? Scott? About a month ago. Mm -hmm. Yes. Why did you want to see him? Uh, kind of to give him one last chance. But was... at this point, you'd already written the book and had well, given us 33, 33 reasons why he's guilty. 
Oh, uh, those I still stick by, mm -hmm. but I could have turned everything around had he, you know, pleaded or something. Uh, you know, I was looking for a glimmer of anything from him. So when you saw him a month ago, you stopped and went to his jail cell? Mm -hmm. Okay. What did he look like? He was wearing uh, what he called a dress. It was a Ferguson, which is like a suicide outfit. It's Velcroed on the shoulders and uh, you wear nothing underneath. Mm -hmm. And he was bigger, his arms were bare, you know, really kind of pasty from no sunlight. Mm -hmm. And he had lines here, mm -hmm. on, which I've actually never seen on anyone before. Mm -hmm. so. Did he look well to you? No. Not well? Yeah, emotionally not well either. Mm -hmm. So what did you yeah. talk about? He said, you know, I've lost my family mm -hmm. about 18 months ago, which I thought was interesting because 18 months ago was actually when he went to jail. Mm -hmm. 24 months ago is when he lost his family. And he didn't say that their names. He didn't say, I lost Lacey and Connor. He just said, my family. He talked about he was serving food to the other inmates. He talked about one inmate that was running around naked. Mm -hmm. And so you went there hoping he would say something or offer something to you that would make you feel that you didn't have to release this book. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and he did not do that. Right. So you left there feeling what after being with him? Gosh, it just drained. Mm -hmm. Just, it's so it's sad to mm -hmm. see him in such a state. Mm -hmm. And I, I always want to kind of wonder if I ever really saw him. Mm -hmm. You know, he was so helpful, so kind, and so nice to me. He helped with my kids all through Lacey's disappearance. Do you still care for him? I do, mm -hmm. yeah. I care what happens to him. You care what happens to him. For the first time, Ann Bird, Scott Peterson's half-sister, is revealing why she now believes he is guilty, but that was not always the case. Early on, Ann defended him publicly, and during the search for Lacey and Connor, Scott asked to stay at Ann's home in San Francisco. After Lacey's disappearance, Scott came to stay at our house. They started showing searches of the San Francisco Bay, which you can see from our house. And in fact, the room that he stayed in had a view of the bay. Every time they looked in the bay and Scott was in our living room watching TV, he would get really upset. And his tone was different. He was a little bit louder. You know, why are they wasting their time? Why are they looking there? They're looking in the wrong place. And I could not understand why he was saying these things. The day that the body of a woman and the body of a baby washed up, I called Scott and told him. He said, they'll find out it's not Lacey, and they'll keep looking for her. And I said, well, Scott, they also found the body of a baby. And he said, what? Who would do such a thing? And he yelled it. And that was the first moment that I thought something is not right. Something wasn't right. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. 
The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Anne took us to the place two miles from her home where Lacey and Connor's bodies were found. This is just a really, a really hard spot to be. It's really difficult to stand here. So you say Scott's reaction when you told him about the bodies being found was anything but normal. What do you mean by that? Right. When I told him they found the body of a woman, he just kind of sounded almost robotic. You know, they'll find out it's not Lacey and, and they'll just keep looking. It was when I said they found the body of a baby that all this kind of energy, his tone, and he's yelling, you know, who would do such a thing? That just made me stop and think, why, why be concerned, you know, about the baby and not the woman, mm -hmm. you know? So I, I knew something was wrong. Okay. When exactly did he come to live with you? At what date? Uh, probably about two, maybe two weeks after Lacey disappeared. Okay. Tell me, when he first came to stay at your house, what was his mood, his attitude, his sense of being? You know, I thought that he was traumatized and in shock because he was, you know, cracking open bottles of wine, he was sitting down and eating, he was making, you know, kind of shallow conversation. And I, I just thought, you, you know, there's something wrong, but I didn't, didn't know what it was exactly. Okay. Did you think he was upset? Was, did he show sadness, grief? The entire time that I saw him, I never saw any grief. I never saw any sadness. I actually never saw him looking for Lacey. The entire time? Yeah, or coming up with suggestions, you know, on where she might be. Okay, and now, now this is gonna go to you because this is what I just don't understand. <laughs> I really don't. And I think the rest of the public has trouble understanding this too. When do you start to get suspicious? I, I, what we don't understand, I don't understand it. I don't get it. <laughs> How the, the family members are on television talking about he didn't do it. We know he couldn't do it. He's such a wonderful guy. You just on the camera with the lady, 100%. He's a wonderful person. And yet you're in the house with him. And he's showing no signs of sadness or grief or whatever. And you tell yourself, oh, he must be in shock because he's just... Right. Whatever. That's what right. you tell yourself. Right. But also, two to three times a day, I'm talking to Jackie, who is making excuses for him, saying, you know, he's not grieving because he's traumatized. He's not, you know, showing grief outwardly because we taught him to keep your feelings in. You're Jackie, a man. your mother. Yes. Your mother, his mother. So when he was living with you, you describe his disturbing behavior while watching the news coverage on Lacey. You wrote this. You say when Scott wasn't even looking at the TV, which I found a little irksome, and if anything, he should have been hungry for details. You right. wrote that. And if it was me, you say, I would be doing everything in my power to find my missing wife. I'd be obsessed. I would be obsessed. Okay, yeah. but he wasn't even looking at the TV. No. So the news is on about his missing wife and baby, right. and he's not looking at the TV. Right. Okay. Yeah, I know. <laughs> okay, so you have a nice looking babysitter at the house. She's very attractive, and when Scott saw her, he did a double take. 
This is a man whose wife is missing and baby. When he saw your babysitter, he did a double take, and suddenly he was smiling and flirting. He was now a very long way from the bereaved husband. He looked like a charming young man without a care in the world, a man on the make. You didn't go, interesting. I, I did. Yeah. But I still thought, you know, maybe he's just out of it or... I was making excuses for him, I think, mm -hmm. at that point. Mm -hmm. Okay, so tell me about the day the body washed up. Right. You were still four months later not thinking they were dead? Gosh, I really wasn't. You were not. Yeah, I just was so hopeful. Mm. Um, my husband said, you are the only one who doesn't think that they're, uh, you know. That, that they're, they're dead. dead. Yeah, and mm -hmm. I, I really couldn't get that through my head. The last time I had seen Lacey, she was opening up baby gifts, and to this, to this day, I have never seen anyone more excited to have a baby. And you say, Jackie, your mother told you several times that Lacey and Scott were having problems in their marriage. What kind of problems? She was really unclear about that. She one time said, oh, you know, men, and another time she said, oh, you know, those two. So I'm not sure what those Yet in public, she was telling were. us it was the perfect marriage. Well, I was shocked when she was on the Barbara Walters show explaining what a great marriage they had. I, I was watching it kind of in disbelief. Okay. Publicly, Jackie Peterson, Scott and Ann's mother, painted a picture of family unity behind closed doors. Ann says she saw a different side of Lacey and Jackie's relationship. Jackie's and Lacey's relationship was, um, I, I don't know. I think only those two know how that really meshed although there were some things that I saw, and I think there was a little bit of criticism that came across on Jackie's part. I actually brought that up with Scott, and Scott said that yes, that was a continual problem. It seemed to come down to this golden child image of his, Jackie kind of putting him up on a pedestal. Lacey wasn't good enough. There was no one good enough for Scott. Tell us about the golden boy from the first time you met Jackie on the phone, I understand, correct? Right. She was telling you, you need to meet Scott, your brother, because he's the uh, golden boy. Right, and I had heard him called the golden boy from several other relatives. Mm -hmm. And when I first met Scott, I immediately understood what everybody was talking about. He was just this kind of all-American, you know, big smile and really polite, very courteous darling. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, wow, this is the golden boy. So you say Jackie would call to complain about Lacey? One instance in particular was right after Lacey's shower. And Lacey had written me a beautiful thank you note. Jackie had called and said, did you get yours? And I said, yes, I got it. And she said, well, I didn't like my thank you note. And okay. I said, what do you mean? And she said, well, I think I need to send Lacey a book on how to write thank you notes. And I just said that that was unnecessary. You know, and she, she said her clothes were silly, too. Yes. Yeah. From what I gather from your book is she was one of those annoying yeah. mother-in-laws that thinks that nobody's good enough for her son. That's the impression that I got. That's the impression I got. Okay. You also write in the book that Jackie implied to you that Scott was having affairs. Right. Jackie said on page 49, they're having problems again. Again, I asked, what kind of problems? I don't know, Jackie said, sighing. Just, you know, men, what do you mean, you say? It's nothing, Jackie said. Lacey's tired all the time with the pregnancy and everything. Forget I said anything. So no big deal to her. Right. 
So we invited Anne and Scott's mother, Jackie Peterson, to be here today, but she declined, saying that she would come on a show about people who have been wrongfully accused. Jackie has not yet read the book and has not had a chance to respond to Anne's version of events, but we gather from her statement that she certainly believes that her son was wrongfully accused. When I first had a glimmer of a doubt was when Amber had her press conference. I met Scott Peterson November 20th, 2002. Scott told me he was not married. I thought, gosh, I can't believe he was having an affair. Now, did Lacey find out about the affair, or did you just come out and tell her? No, I informed her about it. What made that day the day to tell her? Just because it was the right thing to do. And as you know, when you're not doing the right thing, it just, you know, eats you up. You know, you feel, you right. know, sick to your stomach, and you can't you know, function, and you have a hard time, you know, looking at someone. Anne says when she saw that interview, she knew Scott was lying. When I confronted Scott about Amber, he was standing in our living room. I said, did Lacey know about it? And he said, yes. I said, what did she say? He said, she was fine. And I said, oh, he knew I didn't buy it. He said, well, she was upset for a day. And then she was fine. That, I knew, couldn't be right. Uh, not the Lacey I know. She would not have been okay. Scott was living with you when the Amber Fry story broke, which shocked your husband a lot, I understand. Right? Yes. Okay, and so you confronted Scott. Let me read to you what you said, he said. I came right out and asked him, I want to know about Amber, I said. She's nothing, he said. It was just a fling, down and dirty. It meant nothing. I don't understand, you say. It happens, okay, he said, cutting me off. People cheat. People don't act like people never cheat. I mean, I remember one time on this long flight, I took turns with two women in two separate bathrooms. And another time, there was this girl in San Luis Obispo. It was just sex, nothing else. Yeah. So what did you think after that? Uh, you know, I thought he was a womanizer. I still couldn't take infidelity and put it, you know, take him and look at him as a murderer. Okay. After that, I, I just couldn't. Okay, the fact that he was having this affair and still having this affair after his wife was missing, mm -hmm. which is what was implied by Amber Fry's. Right. Okay, the fact that he's having an affair and his wife is missing still didn't. It started to. I was okay. really overwhelmed by everything. Because you were trying to hold on to the belief that he was the golden boy yeah. that you imagined him to be. Yeah. What was your husband saying to you? Uh, he was furious. I, you know, he couldn't believe he was still staying in our house. He said, you know, I, I know this is family, but this is ridiculous. You know, he just wanted him out of our house. You write that Jackie said to you after the Amber Fry news broke, so Scott slept with a bimbo, so what? Yes. Mm -hmm. yep. And that was just the, the general attitude. Right. Your mother was upset with the Roaches after they withdrew their support for Scott. And what you say that she said on page 93, Jackie called you after seeing Lacey's family on the news, correct? Mm -hmm. And you quote her as saying, that Sharon Rocha, there's a word to describe that woman. Evil. She is evil. That's what she is, evil. 
she and her friends and family are destroying my son. So that's what she said about Lacey's mother. Yes. Saving money on everything for your projects. Now at Menards. We have it all for garden and landscaping essentials. Visit our outdoor garden center today and update your backyard space. Grid accents lattice panels have a timeless design with an innovative design that's simple to install and requires almost no maintenance. Save big on lattice panel options at Menards. View our entire selection of garden center products today on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Okay, at this time, the time that she said that to you, that that's Sharon Rocha, she's evil. Where were you in your belief about Scott being innocent or guilty? You still believed he was innocent at this time. At that time, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. So were, were you all lining up, taking sides? I know you're asking me, but if you ask Jackie, she would say, no, the Petersons are all united. Mm-hmm. But I was hearing from other Petersons, and they were not united. Mm-hmm. They were questioning things. So you're not the only one on the Peterson side right. who believes that he is guilty. Right. Okay. But what do you say to, this, to a comment like this? You know, when a person says something like this to you, you have a choice. You can ignore it. You can come back and say, well, no, I, I don't think she's evil at all. Maybe she's just, what, what did you say? You know, I, I let it go. I just. You just let it ride. You know, she was in her own thing also, you mm-hmm. know, dealing with all of this. So I. I didn't yeah. judge her then. You didn't want to want to, want to judge her. I, I was just saying to, to you during the commercial break, Jackie is going to be very upset with you. You know that. Yeah, I already know. Yeah, yeah I've already gotten yeah. some yeah. emails. Okay. <laughs> when I was asking you earlier about what her feelings are, you saying, I'm going to leave the door open. You are prepared now, right. I hope you are, Yes. to not to have a relationship with her. Because she ain't talking to you after that. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't no. think so. Oh, I don't think that's going to happen. Why do you think he killed her? You know, I think it's his, this golden boy image that he had, this mm-hmm. I am a perfect person and I have a perfect life and I have a perfect wife, but I'm also having a perfect affair. And I think the only way he thought he could have his affair was to get rid of Lacey. I'm not sure who told me about Lacey first, but I did hear bubbly, funny, warm, kind. She was all of that and then some when I met her. The first thing I noticed were her eyes, her huge, big brown eyes and her smile. When I think of Lacey, I think of her still as being alive. When I picture her in my head, I picture someone who's vivacious and interesting and entertaining to talk to and so it's hard for me to shut that off and it's been hard to comprehend. Ann Bird, Scott Peterson's half-sister, is here with her story of what happened behind closed doors during the most notorious murder trial in recent history. Ann says she believes that Scott and Lacey's backyard pool may play a role in the murder. So you say Scott was obsessed with the pool. When he was staying with us, he left two, maybe three times, to go clean the pool. And I just thought that that was so strange, you know, that here his wife's missing and he's concerned about his pool. Uh, You left your house to go clean the pool? Yes. Oh, boy. Yeah, and I asked him why. I said, why would you even care about your pool right now? And he said it was turning green and he didn't want the neighbors to see it. 
but when I noticed the aerial view pictures of his house, there is a huge fence all the way around it. So I don't think the neighbors can even see it anyway. So you believe what? He drowned her in the pool? That's my personal theory. Mm -hmm. Is that he drowned her in the pool? Yes. And then dragged her body to the marine? Right. Mm -hmm. uh, this is just a theory on your part, though. Right. You have nothing to base this on, right? I, I just can't figure out why he kept cleaning the pool. Mm -hmm. That bothered me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, because I have to ask you, in terms of your own responsibility in this, I mean, obviously, you don't have anything to do with the murder, but I, I'm just, one of the reasons why I'm fascinated by your part of the story is, you know, not just to be a voyeur in this, you know, murder case, because really, I really, as a human being, I am really opposed to continuing to give Scott Peterson more publicity. I really, it makes me sick. I, I it agree. makes me sick. It I, just makes I me sick. And, um, and unless Scott Peterson wants to come on here and, and, and confess personally to me, this is the last time you're going to hear me discussing Scott Peterson because yeah. I'm really sick of giving him publicity. Right. But the interesting thing to me about it is how people can be such in denial when living with or, and around an obvious sociopath. Right. Yeah. Uh, okay. I mean, how you could just be so taken in by right. this. Yeah. So you then have to look at yourself mm -hmm. at some point and say, what was going on with me that right. I was in such denial about this? Right. Now, we can see that his mother, based upon what you're saying, it sounds like his mother also is in denial about it and denies that even the jury who found him guilty knows what they were doing. She thinks they all need to be drug tested. She but... thinks they all need to be drug tested, okay? So we can see that. Okay, but you, you just came into the family eight years ago. Right. Which should give you some objectivity. Right. Yeah. But with a sociopath, I think that is probably the hardest personality to spot. Yeah. Because they can lift you up. They can tell you how great you look and how wonderful you're doing. And yeah. let me take care of this for you. Let me do that. So it's very hard to see the other side. But now that you look back, do you see the signs? I do, yeah, yeah and I yeah. really wish I could have seen it more. Your then. husband saw it? He did, yeah. yeah. He saw it saw right it. away. But what he's this... quick to judge, and I'm not quick to judge people. Uh -huh. I'm, I take my time. Uh -huh. Unfortunately, I took a lot too long. Uh -huh. so. Dr. Keith Ablo is an author and forensic psychiatrist who is an expert on sociopaths. So it'll be an interesting conversation to have with him. First of all, you say Scott Peterson is a classic sociopath. Tell us what that means. The hallmark of a sociopath is someone who lacks empathy, uh, who can't resonate with another's feelings, and who is going through life, in fact, almost imitating a human being. Ah. It doesn't have to be that a sociopath is from the earliest years committing crimes, etc. A classic sociopath just can't feel for you in the traditional way. And aren't there a lot of them? Well, there are. There are like uh, one out of every 25 or something, I read. People have sociopathic tendencies. There are a lot of sociopaths. Mm -hmm. He is clearly, and Anne mentions it in her book, sort of imitating a person. He'll use stock phrases from movies. He'll describe his relationship with Lacey and say, she completes me. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, we know that that's from a movie. Jerry yeah. McGuire, right? Jerry McGuire, yeah. So if you look at him and you try to determine, well, is this a person I'm talking to or is this sort of a hunter-gatherer of experiences, words, phrases that he's using to try to relate to you, mm -hmm. then you can be easily fooled. He seems perfect, in fact, the golden boy, because there are no rough edges. But in fact, 
people have rough edges. Yeah. But he didn't. And it might have been one reason, by the way, why Lacey was so attracted to him in a sense, because she was a kind of perfectionist and he was somebody who seemed without flaws. Yeah, well, same thing with Amber. I don't know if Amber was a perfectionist or not, but he seemed like the perfect guy. And he does all the perfect things right out of the movies, including coming to your house with a basket of groceries and the chocolate, strawberries, and the whole thing. Which moves people, right? Yeah. It's like from a movie, right? Which, you know... Either you moves you or makes you go, uh-huh. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it doesn't make sense. I think, see, the, the best lesson that people can learn in order to think like psychiatrists is to really pull themselves internally, something that you might get better at, yeah. right? And say, do these things make sense to me? But even calling him a, the golden boy, and there's a point in your book where you mentioned that when you joked with him and said, oh, you're the golden boy, he didn't much like it. He didn't like it, no. He took the term very seriously, and I think it's dehumanizing in a sense, mm -hmm. from everything I've read that I can tell, including your book, to label a child, as his mother did, the golden boy is as if to say he's an extension of me he isn't his own person mm -hmm. and when they talk about training him to not show emotion what they're really saying is well we killed him a little bit slowly a little yeah. at a time well you know what for me the only reason to, to continue to talk about this is what can we as a public learn from it tell me what what's your theory on why everybody just became captivated by this story when mm -hmm. throughout america People go missing all the time. Is it because this seemed like such a perfect family? I think that that's half of it. And the other half, you've had a special interest in men who hurt their wives. Yeah. I think that it is underreported and not spoken enough about, except perhaps by you, that men on a wide scale have all kinds of feelings when their wives are pregnant yeah. and are about to give birth. Yeah. They talk about it in my office because I don't just see violent people, I see other people. Mm -hmm. And men will tell me how much fear they have, that they'll never be men again, that their sexual lives yeah. are ending, etc. And I think to I some forgot extent, what the statistic is at this moment, but it's really high for women who are pregnant. I think it's one of the main causes of death is being murdered by your partner or spouse. The leading cause of death. The leading cause of death. The leading cause of death in pregnant women is being murdered. That is amazing. That is stunning. It happens all the time. What a woman's pregnancy represents in a man's life story is a really dramatic chapter that has not, not been spoken enough about. It redefines that man's life. It, it challenges him to be a father now, not just a husband. It brings up primal feelings. Am I going to be ignored now Am um, I going in to favor be of my child? Uh -huh. So in other words, most of us could say, well, I have to have a divorce, or God forbid I've lost a child. And you think, well, I'll get through it. But a, a true sociopath and narcissist often can't integrate outside chapters. The pages being inserted in his or her life story strike them as assaults. And so Scott Peterson, in his mind, may well have been thinking, it's either me or them. I'm being dragged into chapters of this story I don't want to be in. But uh, every time you, you mentioned in the book, when you would ask him about the baby, he would say what? He didn't even refer to the baby. I mean, he just, you know, doesn't really talk about him. Yeah. 
Save big money on everything for your spring projects at Menards. We have all of your garden and landscaping essentials. Master Garden Premium Garden Soil contains a slow-release fertilizer that feeds gardens for up to nine months. It produces better results and is ready to use for all your gardening needs. Save big on Menards' great selection of garden and landscaping products. Compare brands in-store or online at Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Let's take a look at a clip where Scott seems disconnected talking about Lacey. Dr. Abloh, after we watch this, I want to ask you, what are the signs? Here we go. Tell me yeah. what you love about Lacey. God, what? No. I think you can sum it up pretty easily with looking at her photograph. The photograph for a big smile in the press. I know she's got a beautiful smile, but mm -hmm. what linked you guys? I don't know, just um, being able to complete each other. I think that's it. But, I mean, you asked how, well, and all you have to do is look at that picture. And you know that she's a, a bright one, a bright light in a lot of people's lives. So, well, first of all, most of us cannot look at a picture and sum up uh, the lives of our loved ones. Right. She does have a beautiful smile. I'll accept that. Rather than saying as a psychiatrist might, well, I still don't get it. Yeah. What do you mean mm -hmm. that her picture says who she is? So I think that that, of, and of course there's the cliche, the Jerry Maguire line. Yeah, we complete each other. We complete each other. He's stumbling around for what she really meant because really for him it was just the picture. He could have said, you know what? I'm somebody for whom the appearance of things is everything. For me, what was she? She was pretty. That's all. And now she's a complication, and she has to go. That's all. Okay. One out of 25 Americans has no conscience? Without feeling guilty or feeling fear, I, I, I've had people That's in my... That's according to the American Psychiatric Association. That's a lot of people walking around with no conscience. It's very scary. Are they born that way? Um, I don't believe that anyone is born that way. Nobody's born evil. People are basically good. The empathy that we have, which is miraculous, the fact that we can hear a story of a friend who's in pain across the country and cry, or go to a movie and be moved to tears, is a gift. It's miraculous. Nobody can explain that. It's also very fragile, and it can be destroyed in children by showing them no empathy. At a certain point, when a child feels helpless and decides, I'm not going to feel anymore, they lose the capacity to feel for me or you. And then when you're suffering and they've caused your suffering, they're looking at you more with curiosity than anything else. So has every sociopath been harmed in some way? There's been a harm or dis something that caused them to disconnect in life? In every case I've studied, and I would venture to say in every case, something has destroyed their capacity to empathize and it's something early in life and something tremendously traumatic. I've had um, and I think you'd appreciate this. I've had somebody tell me that the single thing in the world that restrained him from killing people was that one teacher in third grade said, I think you're a really good kid underneath it all. And he had carried that with him his whole life. Wow. That's how much people can affect you. And if you've had none of that, you have sort of a perfect storm. And then you're free, in quotes, to hurt people. And he grew up in a household where people supposedly loved him and where he was thought well of. He was the golden boy. Yes, but there is this odd, peculiar detachment from uh -huh. each other. Uh -huh. There's this willingness to, to give up children, mm -hmm. right. right? Now, your mother's done it twice to you. She right. gave you up shortly after birth, and now 
Oprah pointed out, that you're not likely to have a relationship with her again. And when she right. said that, rather than breaking into tears, you sort of rolled with it. Because you know what it is to be right. abandoned. You've lived with a certain kind of inhumanity, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. from everything I've read that I can tell, including mm -hmm. your book, so had Scott Peterson. And I, could, I promise you that there were a million ways in which this mother told her son he did not exist. Get out. Really? I, pr I promise. You promised me that? Yes. This is the mother who's doting on him, who believes to this day that he didn't do it? One way that mothers can control their sons and convince them that they're not individuals, by the way, is to bestow upon them a love that is so idealized, oh, so gargantuan, that no woman can reproduce it, no friend could possibly approximate it, because no wife is going to call you God. Mine doesn't. Yeah. You know, and, and look at me, right? Yeah. So therefore, the mother owns him. Dr. Abloh says that Scott Peterson demonstrated an obsession with sex, which you say is connected to being a sociopath. Not only that, you talk in the book about him going to porn sites, correct? Yes. While at your house. Right. While I, he's grieving. Right, while he's grieving. Mm -hmm. Yes, and actually later we found out he was also emailing Amber mm -hmm. from our house. How's the sex and the sociopath connected? I think as obsession an... Obsession with sex. I think as an anesthetic, many sociopaths prefer alcohol and drugs but many others also incorporate or use sex as a drug, essentially. And this is this man's drug. He runs away after all. What does he take with him? Some cash, a water purifier, and a yeah. supply of Viagra. Well, he's telling you my potency oh. is almost as important to me as sustenance or cash or anything else. And he even goes to a gay bar, and what does he say about it? He's upset because the men aren't hitting on him, mm -hmm. right? It doesn't mean he's homosexual necessarily or bisexual. But what it does mean is that he's very focused on his sexuality. He's not alive if he's not sexual. Now, if you take a man who feels that he's not existing, he's not alive in a room, Unless if he's, he's not sexual and very attractive to women, he even hits on the babysitter or nanny, yeah. Yeah. right, while he's grieving. Yes. And then you say to him, you know what? Your whole sex life is going to change. Your wife is going to mostly focus on your son. Mm -hmm. um, she is different physically for a while. That is a person who may interpret that as, you know what, my life is ending. You've just told me I'm being killed. So you think he killed her because of all of these reasons and not just because he was having an affair with Amber Fry and now wanted to protect that relationship? Is that no, true? No, I think he killed her because of all of these reasons. I think he is a classic sociopath that his life was going in a direction that he couldn't bear for it to go. Back to the question of what is to be learned from Scott Peterson and the Scott Peterson case? First of all, when I think women and men, wives and husbands, need to be very much sensitized, as you, you've tried to do, to the fact that pregnancy is a tremendously dramatic time. It is the time when men who are vulnerable to doing bad things are more likely to do it. Mm -hmm. It would be very healthy for men to be able to say how fearful they are that their lives will change dramatically. Okay, thank you so much, Anne, and thank you, uh, Dr. Abloh, Keith Abloh. Very fascinating. Thank you. Thank you. All right. The book is called Blood Brother, 33 Reasons Why I Believe Scott Peterson is Guilty. Bye, everybody. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, the podcast. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Oprah Show, the podcast. And I thank you for listening. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, 
I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.